I don't want to show up just for that. Hey, Doc, can I write me a medical script? Yeah. Look, Bob Picasso. Yeah, Jack Frost is great. <laughs> <laughs> This is Dr. Impostar again. This is Professor. I didn't know it was your car, Feather. <laughs> and this is the Midnight Gadfly. This is. Give me some more of that sweet loving head. <laughs> and, and you. This is. Bong! The Blue Glass Eye. <laughs> and you are listening to... Unsane Radio. Why? It's Unsane Radio. Forget about it. <laughs> All right, so this evening's podcast will be about a uh, wonderful movie from the 1990s back when their independent movies were still made and shown in theaters um, before the blockbuster literally took over um, and that is the search for one-eyed jimmy a film from 1993 uh, but i think it wasn't released till 94 95 uh, or whatever because 96. there's yeah 96 so yeah so there was yeah so it was like made quite a bit earlier uh, so in the timeline, you know, we have a bunch of stars in this movie. Um, so they were actually in movies that came out before this did that made them a little bit more famous. So when you go back and watch this, you go, oh, wow, how'd they get all these people in this movie? So anyhow, The Search for One-Eyed Jimmy um, is about a filmmaker who comes back to his Brooklyn neighborhood uh, to make a documentary uh, about the people that he grew up with, right? So he... Um, comes there and t runs into a character named Joe Head, right? Does anybody know where Botalucho or whatever his last name is? You remember where he's from? Is he from Homicide? Or oh, was oh. NYPD? I don't think he's from Homicide. I don't know. Um, yeah. He was on one of those. He I may have been on NYPD. Homicide, unless it would be later on. He was on. in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. As, uh, Beyond the Professional? Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's been in in a, a few good Quite a movies. Few things. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, wasn't he in the practice as well? The practice. That's where. That's practice. what it was. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. 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 Yes. Right. The practice. What you preach. Yes, that one. He was in that one. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Probably but anyhow, yeah, he runs into he Joe was. Head, uh, and Joe Head says that uh, uh, that somebody's missing. Uh, one of the people that they know. So this filmmaker is back, you know, and he decides, I, I'm going to make my documentary about the search for One-Eyed Jimmy. Right. Um, so that's how the whole thing takes off. And it literally is just a kind of meandering amongst characters uh, in this Brooklyn neighborhood until we have the ultimate resolution <laughs> of the movie. Um, so go ahead. Anybody want to say something about this movie? Who wants to start? Look, here... Um... Who is the director? What was his name? He was Bam Henry Cass. Yeah. And what else has he been in? He's done nothing else. Really has nothing he? else. No, no, he. Uh, let's see. As a as a director, he did Starving, the TV series. He did Naked Movie, Body and Soul. As a as a director. As a director, but as a producer, he was on. He did some Airless or Arless, Hudson Street. Um, not too much. Let's see. As a writer, didn't he do Seinfeld? Arliss, he wrote. Yeah, some he did. Seinfeld. He had something to do with Seinfeld. Didn't he? Yeah. yeah, Seinfeld, King of New York, um, The Weekenders, Naked Movie. Not a whole lot. Yeah, not a, whole. a little bit there. Yeah, I just wondered, you know, because he he just it just an odd, um, like my. My impression of a director is Woody Allen, you know, or Clint Eastwood. And this guy, like, was more like the goon type, you know. He looked like he belonged in the neighborhood, which I thought was just really, really fitting, just the way he looked, 
You know, he looked kind of like, you know, he was a pretty, pretty good-sized guy. And I love the camera guy, who only has one line in the whole movie. Mr. Magoo. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, so... I think it's a great movie. And so many actors that we haven't even started to touch on that are in this movie that weren't really, like, major people at the time, but coming, come, getting, coming into their own. I mean, you know, uh, Samuel L. Jackson. You know, I mean, just a, a ton of people in there. Um, and Mira. Stiller, Mira, yeah. you know, uh, Stiller and Mira, Ben, Ben Stiller's mother. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a great in it, you know, because every time you see her, she's doing that crying. Man, it's just, it's just, a, it's a great movie, and yeah, it's, it's one of those slices of life of a urban area, you know, and you happen to follow this camera guy who's going to film school. And so he decides he's going to make the the great documentary too. You know, he, there's that whole little trip that he goes on. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be great when we find out what happened to you know One Eye Jimmy. You know, until the end. But anyway, until you just, find out. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good. It's a, it's just like a really good voyeuristic look into into the lives of some, you know, just what really are average people. You know, but just showing that everybody has their quirks in one way or another. You know. Uh, and and I like the way it was shot. Uh, very, I mean, it, it had that Martin Scorsese look to it, you know. Um, and all the, I mean, all of the New Yorkers, Jim Jarmusch, you know, Tom DeCillo, uh, other their contemporaries, you know, making movies at this time too. You know, these were the leaders of the independent movies, you know, of the time, or some of the, you know, the main stars of the independent movies of the nineties. Uh, it did have that guerrilla, you know, Gonzo filmmaking. Yeah. look to it and feel which i i kind of loved uh about it and i was so impressed with the cast i mean steve buscemi john tuturo and i think what maybe i think his performance and his role <laughs> that might have been like the, my favorite bean. thing he's ever done you know is disco bean um well, and the dance you know, when he's dancing with the when guy. he's dancing is fantastic that's just so great yeah, you know it, it is. That's that was my favorite part of the of the whole movie, uh, and just the silliness. I mean, Steve Buscemi. I just love watching him, you know, and just that silliness of what he's trying to do for his job. Take a picture with a cardboard stand up, standy of, of a wrestler. Yeah, you know? hunk something rather. Right? Yeah, like hey, five bucks. Instead of Hulk Hogan, it was hunk yeah. something there. Yeah, and then the guy comes over. Hey, want to buy some fireworks? You know, it's just all these really weird characters intersecting. Um, you know, it, in a, in the course of a of a few hours or no, a few days actually, because they do spend a night at that one place, and and the thief, um, junior, junior, was, yeah, Nicholas <laughs> Junior, Junior, Nicholas Totoro, who keeps Victor on stealing Turo, cars, yes, yeah, yes. keeps on stealing cars. Oh, I didn't know it was your car, his friend's car, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, man, sorry. You know, it, it's comical. Uh, I, I, I wasn't crazy about it. It, it's an enjoyable watch and probably it would be better the second time through when you get through, because then you start looking at the performances and, and because I was astonished. I'm like, okay, this was shot in 93, the same year that Jurassic park comes out and Samuel Jackson is in Jurassic park. I'm thinking, okay, what, what kind of year was that for him? And the next year he was in Pulp Fiction. I'm like, holy mm-hmm. crap. You know, this is, this is where are these films taking place? In it was Samuel career? L. Jackson working, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, he's just working. Working, yeah. working actor, right. now. He's and and to whoever's credit who made this movie, whoever, I, you know, I don't know the backstory of how this, th- does this guy know everybody? Is this yeah. how he got all these people? It was almost all of them were kind of New York based, yeah. you know? Um, so he's obviously from New York and, and I, that's kind of a community. That's a, you know, a big community of acting, you know? Um, so I, I don't really didn't, you know, delve into the backstory of how he got all these people, but just, you know, Steve Buscemi. Yeah. He's, he's fantastic. And no matter what he, he's in, but he's got yeah. good, good comedic timing, I think, you know, and he's yeah. really very good in this. Um, but yeah, well, it's not I, because he, the way it's shot, it's, it was, it's these little vignettes, that you see like John Turturro's character is there. You don't really see him much after that one scene. Same thing with Samuel Jackson, maybe like one at a time, but they're not like integral to the whole story. So it could have been like, Hey, do you got two hours to shoot a scene for this movie? I'm shooting. Would you mind doing a favor for me down a solid or, you know, would you, you know, I, I could see something like that. Cause they also got Ray boom, boom, Mancini and he's lefty, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I thought, 
how are they bringing him into this? You know, kind of thing too. Just the the cast is is quite extensive. You know, uh, so that's that's awesome. Jennifer Beals. Yeah. yeah. The director is yeah. uh, Holt McAllany. Um, and Holt was he was in Mindhunter on Netflix. I don't know if you've ever seen that uh, show that oh, uh, Fincher yeah. Fincher produced. Um, and they're not producing. Isn't a he? The, he's not the. Oh, he's not the director. Sam Cass was also the director. No, in in the in the movie, the the guy oh, that comes oh, back oh, to the neighborhood. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. In yeah, the in the neighborhood. Yeah, sorry yeah. about that. He uh, he plays Mindhunter. He was in uh, Fight Club. Yes. Um, that's yeah. what I was yeah. trying to get at earlier when oh, okay, I asked yeah. who he was. Yeah. I wanted somebody because oh, I oh, knew yeah. I knew yeah. Yeah, he uh, he's great in Mindhunter, um, you know, and it's so funny to watch this and yeah. then to see him in Mindhunter because he's way a lot older, obviously, you know, because uh, he's if you look in this, I was impressed at his his physique and size. You know, he's he's a pretty good sized guy. And, you know, I think just being the director, just that he just had that and and he had kind of a charisma. But the whole movie revolves around Joe Head. And and he uh, is the instigator and the well yeah but but that's all through uh, through uh, Joe Head, which I think is pretty interesting. Who's who's a lovable guy, not too bright, but but seems to be a really nice guy. Always wanting to shake people's hands. You ever notice that? Because (laughs) that's a sign of friendship. Yeah, I want to be your friend. I don't want to be your enemy. And that's great. He just seems that you know just that happy-go-lucky guy. And you know, kind of taking kind of taking the ride through life, and I think that's and the the film crew, <laughs> you know, kind of gloms onto that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that earnestness, especially when he when they're asking about disco being, and the the, the director says, you know, well, disco's dead, and he's like, well, I, I I didn't know hear about that, you know, because he was thinking it was he meant, you know, he's like, no, no, I meant the dance. Like, oh, okay, so there's this earnestness in that character, you know, Joe Head that comes across it's it's hard to not like him you know you can't yes he's like a big puppy in a way yeah. a big dog you just like him oh he's yeah, yeah. he's just happy to be with you we're, i'll we're walk just... with you let's go let's go and do that's why there, and that's know? why he's got such yeah. odd friends that you know that yeah. all of us that you know because they're just it's that interconnectedness all through him you know in one way mm-hmm. or another which which is the brilliance of the writing i think and uh, you know um yeah I, yeah well all, of course all of that's really interesting when you consider how the movie ends, the puppy that bites, it's like, he's this earnest guy. And then at the end, he and junior, junior <laughs> screw, screw the director guy over, which I'm like, I didn't see that coming out. <laughs> Although they did, they did drop a line in there early on where he said, if, if you release this, I'll have my lawyers are going to be, you know, my lawyers will come after you. And yeah. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. at least they followed through on that, that, that throwaway line they put in there that that was surprising Uh, it's interesting because when i saw that Cass had been a writer on seinfeld you kind of you could kind of see how he could write for seinfeld when you think of like it's it's very a very new york movie and while these some of these characters are lovable there's there's still kind of this weird some of them aren't always very nice much like seinfeld where those characters are super self-absorbed and whatnot but it, it it it's a very new york uh, and environment and it played through really well when I was watching it the first thing I thought of was Clerks it had that kind of same sort of like kind of gritty feel like they you know they got some money together and they got some people together and ran out and shot this movie um, I, yeah you know, except except this movie had real actors right exactly <laughs> yeah, but, but, but unlike yeah, Clerks <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah like you guys are saying it, it was it was uh you know it's not super successful but all in all i i sat through the whole thing i wasn't bored at all i just kind of wanted to see how this thing would unfold and i think that for me that was um that's what kept me in my seat you just wanted to see uh, how if i kind of started getting um invested in this saga as it was unfolding see with all these little kind of weird characters would pop up it's a it's a type of movie um that uh, sometimes it gets identified as uh, the hangout movie. It's the movie that you can just hang out with the characters that are in the movie. So, like, if the movie's on. So, like, I would say that predominantly Linkletter, you know, makes hangout movies, you know, because he just creates and, true. and shows a yes. lot of characters. In. And, I mean, what's the high school movie? I just, I'm drawing a blank on the, the one from the 70s uh, that he did. Um, all right, all right, all right. I'm just drawing a blank on the name of it. Uh, but that's a hangout. That there is no plot to that movie whatsoever. You know, it is just hanging out with these kids uh, for two days before summer starts. 
And uh, I mean, so I think that's that's pretty cool. Um, some of the I think things about this movie are that it's pre um, hipster Brooklyn. So this is before mm. all of the people started converting Brooklyn into this little artistic haven, um, and it was still just a neighborhood. It looks like it back then. Um, and this I think that was Joe Head was saying that you know was it Joe Head? You know, so he loved the the area, the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, but some of the liberals were moving in and making changes. Like, yeah. you know, some of the liberal <laughs> right. girls wouldn't give him the time of day, you know, kind of thing. And he wasn't he wasn't too keen on that, you know, making changes. Before gentrification was a, a big word. Yeah. And this is a, a Turturro extravaganza because not only do we have uh, Nick and um, um, John, we have Ada, who plays the psychic. Ada, too. Yeah. Yes, greatly, too. Yeah. She's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. My favorite part, I think, the funniest part to me, is the mom, Helen Mira, getting a sketch from Jennifer Beals to, to, <laughs> to, to hang up. Even though they and they're like, why don't we just use the picture? No, no, no. We need a sketch. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, I, the, and then the, the sketch is terrible. Yeah. He's got more veins on his nose. Put put more on there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I like she gets the same like you can already tell she's like what she's like yeah I'm just gonna stop drawing this <laughs> if she was getting that it's great. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, you look at the cast, the all the actors. You know, Father Julio, which is great. Joseph, you know, Saravo, and, and and his dad, Harold Hoyt, Pac McNamara, um, and then who play, you know, One Eye Jimmy, Sam Rockwell. I mean, right. Every everybody in this movie is maybe not at the time, but goes on to do tons of work or continues to work today. You know, and the the some of these people like uh, what's it, Ann? Uh, what's her name? Mira. And Mira? Yeah, she, she had been acting in, in, for, for quite a while. Well, the comedy right. team, Stiller and Mira. Right, exactly. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, I, and, I grew up next... watching them. That's the kind of comedy I liked. You know, I loved them. Mm-hmm. I thought they were great. Yeah. So th- the whole cast is peopled with competent, real actors who are all, in, I think, coming off as these really weird and funny and kind of quirky you know, I, I love the, you know, the little things that come in. Like, I don't know if you, you paid attention to it. Like, the, you know, the mom is crying, but when, when, you know, when I Jimmy's dad gets upset, what happens to him? You know, yeah, he gets a hard on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. so, and I he's like, yeah, he's been chasing mom around the house, and she's crying. You know, <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, okay. This, it's those moments. It's not gonna punch you in the face with it. But it's those subtle moments, like okay, yeah, okay, that's that's clever. It's good writing, you know. And I know I'm going to really like it much more on the second viewing than I did on the first because I was just trying to absorb it, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. It I is. Mean, it is. I think it's. I think it holds up to a second viewing pretty well. And I've watched it now more than a couple times, but over the years because I think we watched it when it finally came out, probably ninety six, ninety seven at the latest. You know, when we first watched it, I think. Um, well, then they, they get them yeah. all in one room together, you know. So the like oh, the, that, end yeah. of the, yeah, the end of the movie is we'll have a party that'll bring him home. You know, that's her whole welcome idea. Home yeah. A welcome home party, and, and it does. Up. It does. Yeah, it works. Um, it's uh, <laughs> but during that party, Joe Head uh, goes to Jennifer Beals' character and is like wants to dance with her. Right, he's being all shy and stuff. Um, and then all of a sudden, you see this change, and he becomes Disco Bean. <laughs> you know. Um, didn't he take lessons with Disco Bean or something? Isn't that what he said? No, how, you know, oh, he was imitating his moves when he went out there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah when, you, when he was okay. dancing, he was out right, there. Right, the yeah. like, you're taking my moves. You're taking yes. my yeah. moves. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Good. yeah. You know? That was a good there. scene. Yeah. And like, then she, I like when he throws her on the couch. Yeah. You know, after they're dancing, after he kisses her and tosses her on the couch, and I can see it on her face like, oh. Yeah. Why? <laughs> and she's like, just like trying to eat the chips, and she's like, then they're just falling onto her chest. She's just got this like, oh, I'm spent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. It is. It's a fun movie. Well, Colonel Ron, which is, uh, um, uh, what's his face? Samuel Jackson. He, uh, he's, he's fishing in the Gowanus Canal. Um, so, I mean, there's, yeah. there's no fish, I don't think, in the canal. Um, <laughs> yeah. And if they are, you, do, you wouldn't want to eat those things. 
Uh, but he plays this crazy Vietnam vet, you know, and uh, but he seems to be like the one, the most lucid <laughs> person in there when when they're talking to him. Um, and then, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, um, who was dancing with Disco Bean? Who did he get to dance with? Oh, uh, it was it was the, the director of the, the director of the uh, yeah the director right. Yeah. And then he kicks the director out because he knocks him off, <laughs> knocks him down. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's yeah. It's just it, it is. It's just a series of vignettes. And you're right, Fez. It is very uh, Seinfeld esque in, in its in its delivery. And you can see how that how that all came about. You know. Yeah, because he started writing Seinfeld about a year or so after this he wrote this this was his yeah. first writing credit anyway yeah and then he gets pulled into writing seinfeld so yeah it's a perfect fit yeah 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 when i, I wanted to watch this movie because i saw it was on and i hadn't seen it since probably like when it came out um and i think this was a rental on video or something like that um so we, we would watch it and i was you know it struck me when i watched it again that this was a lot like it was this was very uh exemplary of the types of independent movies that were being made in the 90s um, where it was people getting access to a, a lot of different film equipment and stuff like that and just making these like bare bones um, things that they, they put together um, and I think this you know they all knew each other uh, in this movie and that they just said hey we all live in Brooklyn I think they all live there I, I know that like Samuel Jackson is from around that area and stuff but uh and they're probably like, hey, got a weekend, got a week, whatever. You know, we got this film, we've got all this you know, access to all this stuff. Let's do it. Um, because I think he's the writer was also involved in theater, uh, and that's uh, I think everybody in this movie. Oh, uh, was he? Are, yeah, are, I didn't know theater, that. Yeah, yeah, they're theater people. Um, so they. Well, that's why I said, now, it, you know, just kudos to you know the the network yeah. how you know to get all these good actors together and you know do this that you know. And it just showcases all of their actor acting abilities too, uh, and and just some pretty decent funny writing, but it is very New York. Yeah, well, and then you know the Jennifer Beals thing with her dancing is uh, really funny because she's from Flashdance. You know, yeah, a terrible movie. That is a, just an awful movie. I, I, exactly. But with great dancing scenes. Well, it, well <laughs> no, all I cared about is it had Jennifer had Jennifer Beals in it. She was, she. Yeah. Every time I take a shower, I just throw my head back and, you know, <laughs> I feel like I want to go welt something. So uh, from the 90s, what other kind of movies would you say are, are like this? Or who's making movies, you know, uh, of this type, you know, that kind of, that, that you don't see a lot of anymore, right? I mean, if you're seeing any of it, they're trying to put stuff on Amazon Originals or HBO Originals. Uh, these, these have become the more, um, I don't know, small story movie venues, uh, because everything that goes on the theater now, they want to get billions of dollars, and it seems like everything's a blockbuster. There, there are very few art house theaters anymore that show this kind of stuff, um, and there's just you know, it, it's it's just a whole different environment now than what it used to be. I mean, now you can see people making stuff and putting it on YouTube, but even then, there's so much noise uh, on YouTube, and it's become basically a network, you know, because there's the, all the popular shows get promoted and. Um, and they get millions and millions of hits, you know, on YouTube, these popular shows. So this whole, that whole new venue is almost kind of drowned out all of this independent stuff that can be posted there. What about Swingers? Swingers was good, yeah. Brothers McMullen, um, which was... First shot. one I thought of was... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, that was shot in, I think, Brooklyn or Queens. No, it was shot in Queens, Brothers McMullen. Yeah. I was thinking of Smoke with Harvey Keitel. Oh, I don't know if you've ever seen that. Harvey yeah. Keitel and, and William Hurt and Giancarlo Esposito. Um, yeah, because I, I used to work at a video store. And so there was all kinds of stuff. And this was in the uh, late 90s when I was working there. So we were getting all kinds of little movies like this along with our blockbusters. And so when I saw something and I got free rentals, I'm like, oh, I'm going to check this out. And I had heard about Smoke. But I'd never seen it, and was you know like you guys interested in these kinds of movies. And I it was it's a very similar feel. It's a really quiet movie. Harvey Keitel owns a smoke shop. It's the center of the neighborhood in Brooklyn. You know, it's the stories of all of his customers come in, and they're just kind of connecting. And it's a very just 
quiet kind of slice of life, you know, and quirky and funny. And again, it's a true indie movie, 1995, you know. So there it is. About, uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape? Yes. Would that count? Oh, that's uh, Lass- There's Arnie Gilbert. What's his name? Lassa Hellstrom or whatever. Um, because I think he won like a foreign yes. film uh, academy award before that, that was 93 was, and that was when they they brought the this in yeah uh what's eating great is yeah. great because i think it's pro- possibly uh leonardo dicaprio's best acting and he's a good actor i like leonardo dicaprio but yeah. his acting in that is insane so he was amazing yeah right i had mad respect for him after seeing that movie um you know it was just it was just crazy and he you get the frustration. Johnny Depp doesn't have the, the acting that I mean, DiCaprio just blows everyone away. But you get that, you feel that sense of pathos for the character because of just how awful life is every day for this guy who just wants to get the fuck out, you know. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's a really moving movie. It's a surprisingly good good film. Yeah, yeah. Feather, you were you got something. Oh no! I was just—you were talking about you know uh, what was happening in independent movies in the '90s, and you know the, immediately Jim Jarmusch comes up, and I've mentioned it before. He started, you know, probably what in the mid '80s, mm-hmm. and went on then into the '90s and did some, you know, <laughs> he was just prolific, actually. You know, almost a movie a year, something like it, or, or he just did a bunch of videos too, because he, you know, was really tight with Neil Young because of Dead Man. So he did a couple of videos then after that for him, uh, and then Year of the Horse, which else you know that also. Uh, but I mean, he, I think he's the epitome of the independent, um, the good independent mm-hmm. filmmakers. Um, uh, running, and then the other one would be Tom DeCillo. But I think I think by and far, Jim Jarmusch, uh, you know, just has a way more output and very consistent and very good output. You know, and he's he's doing stuff almost consistently with a few years break. You know, um, he just did a movie what in twenty nineteen, I think, which I haven't seen. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Jim, I just wanted to bring him up. Jim Jarmusch appeared in Bored to Death, the TV series. Have you ever seen that on HBO? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's hilarious. Um, it's uh, Zach Galifianakis, uh, Ted Danson, and uh, what's the uh, what's the third guy's name? He's from, uh, oh shit, it's going to kill me. Uh, man. Jason Schwartzman? Yeah, Jason Schwartzman. I don't know, I couldn't, I just couldn't think of it. Okay, but that TV show show is great. There's a part in there where Jim Jarmusch is writing a script and he has, uh, he wants Jason Schwartzman's character to help him write it. Um, and he goes up to where Jim Jarmusch is, and it's just a big warehouse, and he's just riding his bicycle in a circle <laughs> the whole time. He never stops while he's talking to Jason Schwartzman. So, um, but yeah, I like Jim Jarmusch. He's also he's um, uh, Jim Jarmusch also does a cameo in uh, Sling Blade. He's in the the Dairy Queen. Yep. And you know, <laughs> uh, talk about French fries. <laughs> Uh, that's one of my favorite scenes in that whole movie. Well, you mentioned Smoke, and I think he shows up in Smoke briefly, doesn't he? Um, and I, because the the uh, and the, they also have uh, two of the lounge lizards are outside the smoke shop. It's the guy with the saxophone, and uh, there's the the guy with the drum or whatever. Uh, are you guys familiar with the band Lounge Lizards? I've heard the name, but yeah. Yeah, well, if you like like jazz, swing, bop kind of stuff, uh, it's most all instrumental. Um, they're really good. I think they're out of Austin, Texas. Well, but he, uh, what is that guy's name? Uh, that's that's the saxophone player, the the head, uh, John Laren, uh Lori. John Lori, yeah, Lori, yeah, John Lori. He, Lori, yeah, he shows up in a lot of. Uh, Jarmusch films, like the first two yeah, or three. Early, yeah. early on, yeah. Down by Law and uh, mm-hmm. Stranger Than Paradise, you know. Yeah. And then uh, John Lurie's pretty cool because he had uh, Fishing with John, which was, uh, I think, an internet show that he put out. 
That was a pretty good yeah. show, yeah. So they would, uh, he would go fishing with all these famous people, um, and uh, and they'd be in different areas. So ice fishing with uh, Willem Dafoe. Um, he goes out with uh, Tom Waits, and Tom Waits does nothing but puke and complain about the fact that he's so hungover and has to be sitting on the, the boat <laughs> that they're on. So he the whole time is just miserable. Um, but uh, the other independent, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, uh, Spike Lee, you know, was still kind of that 80s into the 90s uh, independent. And that's, the, I think, the first place that I saw um, Samuel Jackson when he plays the junkie um, in, I can't remember which movie it is. Um, but I'm like, even then you're like, oh, man, who's this guy? You know, and then you start seeing him over and over and over. Um, but, I, you know, some of the other ones, you said Doc, Tom DeCillo. It's funny because he was, I think he was the cameraman or the, the cinematographer on the first couple of movies that Jarmusch did. So, Yes. Yeah. So he kind of. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's what I said. It's all and there again. You know, it's all connected. You know, yeah. it's a it's a community. If you're, you know, there was it seemed to be a group of younger people that were really big coming up, you know, that was like the next generation um, of New York filmmakers and i think you know they were and, and jarmusch is like the epitome of that as far Seen as all these lovers coffee and cigarettes you're talking about the, yeah. the that that's another movie that's like that you know come out in the early 2000s i think i think maybe maybe 90s i thought it was the 2000s but anyway have you seen only lovers left alive i've never seen that it's with Tilda no. swinton and tom hiddleston yeah i haven't seen it I, it's really good uh yeah Fez. Yes. I want to get. I don't want to give it away. Yeah, I just made this yeah. hand signal. So, is that giving it away? Because I, I think I remember the trailer. Um, well, <laughs> I don't know if it does. It it might, but you figured out kind of eventually. But it it may not. It's maybe. I mean, I knew it going in only because I had read the synopsis when I on you know on on cable when it was on. I'm like, oh, this this looks might might be kind of cool. And the the description on IMDb is basically says a depressed musician reunites with his lover, um, but then there's more that kind of kind of yeah. does give it away, um, and that's what Tom Hiddleston plays this rock and roll star who's just depressed and wants to kill himself. Tilda Swinton, this is longtime lover, I'll stress that, uh, comes visits him and and tries to kind of get him out of his shell, you know, and it's a it's a kind of a, a beautiful lonely film there's a lot of ache and sorrow but it's beautifully shot and done and quiet and um you know but if if you you know it was way better than the dead don't die which i thought was just really ungood in so many ways had so much potential but i'm like oh this is just a train wreck but yeah, so check it out. Only I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, I wanted it. And I to- wanted to- it to total good. misstep. Total misstep. Yeah, I wanted it to be good. I mean, you got this great cast. So yeah. much potential for something fun or interesting. And it was just flat, fucking flat and dead. It's like everyone's going through the motions. Like, how much are we getting paid? 100 bucks? <sighs> the whole film felt like a Napoleon Dynamite shrug, but not being funny. Like, ah. <sighs> Uh, and the, I was like, oh. Some of the other, you know, the, the ones we're talking about look a little bit more gritty, and the filmmaking looks a little bit more um, uh, less polished. Um, but like some yeah. of the more influenced yeah. independent filmmakers were Tarantino. Um, I don't know if you, you know, I think uh, yeah. Reservoir Dogs is an independent uh, film. Uh, yes, it's one of the big Miramax. Yes. Um, and even Pulp Fiction was still fairly independent. It was very low dollar that they spent on that and mm-hmm. made tons of money on that stuff. Um, we also have Steven Soderbergh. Um, I, yeah, I was Yeah. I was going to bring yeah. him up. So, that's a, That's a good, he's a good one. Yeah. Cause he did uh, sex lies and videotape. Um, I think that yeah. was like oh, his great movie. His, yeah. Yes. James, yeah. James Spader. Um, James Spader. Yeah. Right. And uh, right. Oh yeah. Such a good movie. Yeah. But then he went on to yeah. just do all kinds of whacked out movies for the next, you know, 15, 20 years. Um, uh, and also then did some very commercial, really good commercial movies. Uh, I'm a big fan of all the Oceans 11, 12, and 13. Um, Which, so yeah. I think those are just a lot Which of fun, really fun movies. 
Um, and then we got Robert Rodriguez, who, you know. Oh, yeah. 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 True. There's the, oh, yeah. the true shoestring uh, producer, right? Uh, him and Kevin Smith both finance their, you know, stuff by yeah. uh, in a, on a shoestring. Um, mm-hmm. So I think those are those are some really good, you know. And I, we mentioned Linkletter. Um, his, uh, I, I still think one of my favorite movies. It was his first movie. Um, what was I can't remember what that was called. Slacker, yeah, Slacker. Slacker, yes, yeah. Okay. And it yeah. literally is the camera following from one character to the next. Yeah, they, it's like a handoff. Um, and these are all just really weird. Uh, and you have these people that weave in and out a couple of times, you know. Um, and uh, But they just talk about just the weirdest stuff. It's like you just picked up a bunch of conversations at the party, you know, or, or something like that you know, over the years and just wrote them down and strung them together. Um, uh, and then, again, he has some really good actors. Uh, they're not necessarily known actors, but they're, he uh, was able to curate, you know, from his community some really, you know, talented people who I think actually had acting but i mean he's in austin so um th- there's an advantage there austin texas is a, a very um artistic town so can anybody think of any other uh of the you know who would be considered independent from the it could be 80s 90s you know i think i mean we, we've I, talked about paul thomas pretty... anderson oh <laughs> yeah the, the stuff yeah. that came out in the 80s was, was different it was more like the horror and those kinds of things because the vhs revolution people were shooting onto video and you know it made it made access to making movies a lot a, a lot more attainable you know for people but i wouldn't i wouldn't kind of put them in the same category well i don't know no. I, I this definitely some... has a look well, of they, a 90... but you're but you're right though I, mean, I would I would say the, Sam Raimi. If if we can get into that whole thing, I mean, you know, yeah, what, it becomes the era truly of independent filmmaking because I take that back, independent movie making so that, you know, it becomes way more egalitarian. Um, you know, and we see that in the in the 90s big time. Yeah, I would I would uh, say a lot yeah, of those, Sam but, Sam Raimi started off Sam that way. Raimi. Yeah, that's what I would say, was, you know. Well, yeah, he's independent at, at, in the beginning. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the Evil Dead is, is yes, the textbook on how to make a movie yep. with, with a promise and one good shot. Yeah. That's how yeah. he got that movie funded. Yep. yep. You know, it's the low camera on the ground, you know, following up. That was all he had shot and took that to places saying, and based on that, which I love, and telling me, here's what the story's about. Look at this cool shot. They're like, oh, fuck, yeah. Here's and it was thing. a very cool shot. It was. It was <laughs> yeah. great. It, it was so simple. Like, so, yeah, they're all going, yeah. Ground, yes. Okay. Well, oh, they do that. Didn't they, like, they had it on a two-by-four or something? Then they mounted on a two-by-four, and two people held it, one on each side, and they moved. I think that's how they ended up doing the, those yeah. shots. Well, pretty cool, were, pretty cool. It, it is. It's simple. I mean, keep it simple, Stuart. Yes. You know, it, it was really effective. Simple but effective, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know too many other people who, once you saw that shot, anyone else who tried it, you're like, oh, yeah, you're ripping off Evil Dead. Uh-huh. Because it was just an innovative way to shoot. Like, okay, great. Yeah. When I think those those are the independent guys that go back because, uh, you know, um, Night of the Living Dead was an independent movie. Um, and is iconic, you know, so in the horror genre, I think that oh, still yeah. works. Don Coscarelli, mm-hmm. um, he did Phantasm on a shoestring, uh, you know, and the acting, Carnival of Souls, Carnival of Souls, which know. is a brilliant movie. And that was, you know, shoestring that was truly independent. So who did, Kirk, uh, you know, I mean, it, a lot of there you get into it, you're getting into a lot of people, you know, Corman, that, uh, uh, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, Lloyd Kaufman, Lloyd, yeah, so I was thinking of him oh, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there, yeah. I, I think even like uh, Wes Craven, the, the first stuff he did was independent. Yeah. Um, yes, and then yes. Uh, yeah, so that Ed Wood, Ed Wood was independent <laughs> filmmaking. He right. was definitely yeah. independent. Right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's the good the, that tradition still follows. You know, I I kind of love that that people just are willing to take the chance and just trying to do something. Yeah. You know, and that that's that's awesome. And now we have the whole with technology and people have their phones that are making movies on their phones and and they'll do all kinds of crazy great stuff, you know, like it, because they see it and they want to do it. And technology is making it available for pretty much anyone to become their own maker, which I think is fantastic. 
you know, yeah, there's a fairly, kudos. there's a, a fairly, black hole. yeah, there's a fairly big, um, uh, film festival for films made on phones, right. And completely done on a, on a phone or a camera phone. Um, and yeah, some of the stuff that they come out of there is pretty inventive, you know, in the way they're using the camera in a way that's just different than what normal filmmaking would, um, kind of making it. Steven yeah. Soderbergh did a film that was completely on iPhone. I think two actually. Yep. There's a, I forget her name. Oh, there you There's go. a TikToker who does videos because she shoots everything on her phone and she shows how to make these crazy great shots. And one was putting the phone, like tying it up and like having it on, I want to say, on like a fan, like a, like a, like a fan in a living room. Mm-hmm. She had it down and it was just kind of going around the circle. So she was able to do these great shots <laughs> around her. Which looked amazing. I'm like, because she does the shot and then she shows how she did it. Yeah. And she has the second camera filming herself. And I thought, and then some of the stuff she did was like, oh my God, I never would have, never would have dreamed how to do that. So yeah, that's, that's just, people are inventive when they, when they have the, tip, the possibility of doing So yeah, like we that. are in, in another age of independent filmmaking. I yeah, think I, I, I hate to be so pedantic, but it's movie making. It's movie not making. filmmaking. It's right. Not filmmaking. Yeah, it's hard to get the film. It's expensive, and well, uh, and uh, yeah, expensive I mean, the process. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'll, the, I'll interject there. That uh, thank you, A twenty four, for a lot of that. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> There's some good stuff coming out from them. Now that's getting geeky for you. <laughs> I don't know what that is. So. Oh, the, the um, uh, movie house. They they've been doing a lot of stuff like Ex Machina, uh, the High Life, uh, the Florida Project. Uh, they just did the Green Knight. Uh, a lot of their stuff is just kind of genre breaking, genre bending. Just some, yes. It's just all all the Lighthouse. I don't know if you guys saw that. That was oh just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good so good to see in the in the theater. And you know that's that was that that's like that's like an indie film that's so razor thin as far as it's like what who's gonna enjoy this it's almost like this was a, a movie direct a movie made for other directors not necessarily <laughs> not, not like a wide audience but it was still it was an amazing experience to see it on the big screen so it I, looks I have gorgeous to, the, the oh, start it of it it's, yes you know yeah. right it's it's i have to see it again because the first time i came away going eh, but i know it's one of those movies like okay if you pay attention I, I enjoy the, a movie that will take me on a journey. I don't mind the journey kind of movie. And I know that's what that is. Slow descent into possible madness, possible not, you know, and that claustrophobia, that building tension. So it has all these great elements in it. And two amazing actors. There you go. You know, yeah. Right. And, and, and a know, good Bra- script. <laughs> yeah. And bravo to Patterson because he looks almost unrecognizable. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, because he just got all this flack. And I was one of those guys when I heard he was going to be the Batman. I'm like, Really? You're going to bring in Twilight here? But the guy can act. I mean, he can fucking act. So anyone could go toe-to-toe with his co-star. You know, uh, it's just like, oh, okay. Well, that's just brilliant. I can't. I see his face. I see him. Yeah. Who's in that? Willem Willem Dafoe. Yeah, Willem Dafoe. Yeah. One of my all-time favorite actors. Yeah, great actor. Terrific so, in everything. Anyone who does. could be and hold his own in a two-person film yes. against a stellar actor, I have to give mad props to and respect. Like, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, you you can do it, Patterson. All right, let's. You can act, man. You and it worked. Uh, yeah, I think it worked. Yeah, it really did. I'm like you, though, uh, Doctor. Had it. I liked it. I thought it was gorgeous. I kind of liked the ideas and everything, but it just there was something about it that just didn't quite gel for me. I don't know what that was. I mean, I could appreciate it on a lot of levels, but right. on that pure, oh, I loved it. No. Yeah. No, um, same here. I, but but I have great admiration for it and for yeah. the actors. If I would watch it again, I'll watch it again just because I like the performances so well. You know, right. I think they're so good. Um, and the story then becomes kind of second line because I'm yes. studying them, not, you know, yeah. studying mm-hmm. how they, you know, their reactions and all that so. Yeah, Very cool. it, it, that's that's a wonderful way to look at watching movies, too. It's, it, when you begin looking at the performances on their own or the lighting, and appreciating how they influence the gestalt, you know, yes, or the yeah. that, to be able to 
to watch movies, and even ones like you said, we we, I, I felt the same way. I wasn't over, overwhelmed with it. It had some good moments, but like I, I, but I will watch it again, just like what you said there, um, Professor Feather, uh, because I want to watch these performances. The they're, performances they're, and and the sheer beauty of the of the yeah. movie making of the you know it's yeah. just be- beautifully shot, um, and which is very kind of odd for me to say because I'm not big into black and white. Um, but it's not modern. an affectation. Well, right? I know. Like, no, it and it fits perfectly. Yes, it, it became does. it became part of the character of the movie. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's obviously why they did it. You know, and, mm-hmm. and, but it works. Some people have tried it, and it just hasn't worked. Except maybe dead men don't wear plaid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm even down to the old silent movie aspect ratio. I mean, just pulls in that claustrophobic you know oh yeah it, it, it forces them closer together in this small enclosed environment they they're trapped there literally trapped there yeah. and that that aspect ratio just helps it you know you're yes right. that's true that's true absolutely yeah i forgot all about that well uh, the one last director i'd like to mention um that you know a lot of people call the father of uh, independent film simply because he never stopped being independent the way he made his films uh, throughout his entire life and that's john cassavetes um oh yes yeah the killing of a chinese bookie he literally would do all this other stuff you run an acting class and he would go out and do a movie or two and a television show or whatever he didn't care um and then he would take all that money and go make a film uh, and pay for it himself. So, you know, he wouldn't uh, have any involvement of anybody else in the production of these movies. You know, and he did this, he did like probably about a half a dozen of these movies uh, that way. Uh, And it took him a long time, you know, but uh, The Killing of a Chinese Bookie is a really good movie. Um, And, you know, his stuff is, some of his stuff I really like. Some of it it seems a little slow or a little disjointed. Um, But I think, uh, what is it? Gina Rollins uh, in Woman Under the Influence should have gotten an Oscar for that performance. It is just insane. I mean, it is so yes. good. Um, and again, just another independent film, you know, where they made it um, with three or four people. You know, he's like, there's not a bunch of people standing around. There's, you know, and so, you know, when they do these movies, you know, and like I said, I think he, the reason they consider him the father is because he chose to continue to make them in this way. Um, as opposed to ever buying into the studio system other than to go out and act and uh, make a, a thing. I have his Criterion box set, and there's a whole documentary oh, really? on it. Yeah, and there's like a booklet and stuff it's like really that. It's really good. Yeah. yeah, that's a good documentary. So, but he, the, I like him. I like John yeah. Cassavetti. And I'm the same way. Take some of it, uh, you know, some of it I don't like. It just, didn't, it just doesn't interest me because um, he, he, that's another one that has that real – kind of new york influenced you know vibe and sometimes i i think it's i don't want that you know and i think sometimes it it it, some some people can do it without being overwhelming and some can't you know early uh, or the mid mid woody allen stuff you know was very good at at it you know um until it you know most of most of the Cassavetes was shot in Los Angeles at their house. Uh, so they would often use yeah. their house as, you know, the, yeah. the main set. Um, I think China, Killing of a Chinese But he's Bookie, a New York actor, though. He is. He was, yeah. That's where he did his acting school yes. and all that kind of stuff. Yes, yes. He, he yes. Uh, and, you know, Killing of a Chinese Bookie, I think, is in New York as well. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a lot of that stuff. And he was neighbors with Frank Zappa. <laughs> So they would, uh, he said they'd talk over the fence all the time, you know, and Frank would just be watching them while they were playing basketball and shit like that. So, um, yeah, I remember him, they're having a conversation once. He went over and says, Hey, Frank, I saw 200 motels and loved it, buddy. Good movie. <laughs> you heard that, huh? I heard that somewhere. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, any, <laughs> anybody have any other directors or movie, you know, that they would like to shout out to? I'm sure we're forgetting. Some very and the fact that I forgot Paul Thomas Anderson, I'm ashamed. I'm totally ashamed. It's probably <laughs> one of my favorite writer directors, you know, uh, living. Yes, so, um, I agree with that. And he had a great dad. Oh yeah, Ernie Anderson. Ernie Anderson. Gulardi. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. All or right. the love boat. <laughs> or the love boat. Yeah. Well, that dude, he, he did the. He became a millionaire doing voices, uh, 
uh, and the, there's the one documentary out there that shows a day what he's driving all over Los Angeles, doing all these, just sitting down, smoking his cigarette, and uh, you know, doing his little pitch. You know, this is the love boat. You know, um, so that was really cool. Uh, just getting to see how hectic his day is. They're like, yeah, it's like this every day. He's like driving all over the place doing voiceovers and and all that kind of stuff. You know what we forgot to do? Punchlines. Mm. Uh, too late now. It is. Although I, I would just like to say, I ain't doing no more laundry. Punchlines. Punchlines. We're all we're all middle aged. We got some paunch going. Doctor Joe Head says so. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, you guys want to watch me take a dump? Say! And you are listening to... Indian dependently. Can't say that. If you're from India? You can say that. Thank you very much. Can't say that. Okay. I didn't. <laughs> Untainedradio at gmail.com. Flood us. Mm, yeah, baby, flood us. Okay, hey, Tarn Feather, Tarn Feather Psycho Cinema. Type all that sometimes when you're in Facebook just for fun. You'll get to our page, and it's glorious. TarnFeather.com, that's F-E-T-H-E-R. What can I say? Those fuckers don't know how to spell. Okay, on Vimeo, hey, Tarn Feathers, like they're just loading up shit on Vimeo left and right. It's pretty cool. Go and check it out. Some old stuff that's pretty pretty funny that's up there. Go and see it. Okay. That's it for me. I'm out of here. The Metal Horror. Another great podcast in the Unsane Radio Podcast Universe. Heavy Metal Horror. And Mark Justice, comma, writer on Facebook and on Instagram, Montag Lewis. The Instagram account for Heavy Metal Horror. And don't forget to check out the weekly webcomic We Freaks, W-E-E-F-R-E-E-K-Z on Facebook. Hey then. <laughs>